welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Wrapping up this week here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons. Um, It is a ranking time. We have gone through most of college football, at least the Power 5 conferences. We've given all of our over-unders. We hit hit on a lot of the, the big topics in fall camp, including suspension season, how we're dealing with the media. If you have not caught up on every single 24-7 sports college football podcast, and I suggest you do. It's the only way to prepare for the 2017 season. Make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and you get them all right to your device. It's the best. Barton, how are we feeling? Feeling good, brother. One more show this week, and then I think, look, next week I think is when we really get a lot of news. We'll start filtering out of camp because they've had most teams will have like a full week to dig in. Um, so I'm excited to start hearing some of these uh, some of these names that start trickling out in the depth chart battles. Yeah, I liked from uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to go back and listen to our burning questions, uh, a lot of the position battle questions. Uh, we t- also talked with Wes Rucker from Tennessee, um, leaning on that quarterback situation as well. Uh, but right now we're only going the best of the best. We're recording this here on Thursday morning. We are hours away from the release of the first uh, Amway coaches poll. But we are also very, very close to the release of the most prestigious college football rankings in the country, the CBS Sports 130. Uh, That will be weekly rankings that we will be compiling. Barton and I are voters among the other CBS Sports. Before we get to comparing our ballots, which we both turned in yesterday, the other rankings are player rankings. And you may have seen these in the industry the industry-leading player rankings are, of course, from the same people, 24-7 sports, uh, that you count on for the industry-leading rankings and ratings for players as they come into college. Barton, I when you're going through and uh, these this rankings were put together, I know that the CBS Sports 130 comes together from our ballots. How much of... The, the tiering system, the rating system, like I'm sitting here, I've got it pulled up and man, we got, we got two 101s, two, two A plus pluses on the list right now. How did the 2017, the top 247 list for current college players come together? Yes. So Chance Litton does a great job. He, he's the one that sort of spearheads this and, and uh, gets feedback from our national guys, guys like me, and, and we sort of chop it up about these guys and, and, and sort it out a little bit. But, um, yeah, it, the 101, I think, is significant. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Derwin James, the two 101s. That, that these, these ratings and grades are consistent with our ratings and grades in the, uh, the high school rankings, the uh, – prospect rankings and and a 101 is is what we call a franchise player it doesn't happen every year uh in in the high school ranks just when those really special players come along so that gives you an idea you know these are the guys that are beyond 100 in the rating scale um and we think lamar jackson and derwin james are that special i i actually if this was purely the Barton Simmons rankings i probably would add derwin james number one i think i've said that on 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 our show before 
I, I think he is the most unique football player in the game and and the best just pure, like he's not going to win the Heisman because he plays safety and Lamar Jackson is is absolutely unique. I watched his ESPN U uh, flashback games recently and he was as remarkable as as I remembered. Uh, but Derwin James to me is like just he's just a awesome football player to watch just does everything you could possibly do on defense um so very minor gripe there but uh but yeah it's a you know we have 32 five stars just like we do in the in the high school rankings uh on come national signing day and uh i think it's a pretty i think it's a pretty good list of five stars at the very least i like all these guys what what's what what jumped out at you when you started looking at this list chip Uh, i wanted to start with derwin james and uh, where there, I have a much larger body of work for Minka Fitzpatrick. And because sure. I've got a larger body of work, I probably have more games and more performances and more moments where I... It wasn't that I was let down, but it there's just more... Uh, there, because there's more reps, because there's more experience, because we've watched uh, Minka Fitzpatrick under the microscope in back-to-back like all the way to the college football playoff uh, national championship game type runs for Alabama. I just, I think that I've had more to nitpick than I have. And I was just curious, um, like I believe that Derwin James is definitely better, but I am not a hundred percent sure that he is, he's created a ton of distance. And by the way, Mika Fitzpatrick, for those who haven't pulled it up and you can find it on 247sports.com, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick is number five on this list. What, how much distance do you think there is between Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick? Because as we get more experience watching Derwin James, like the, there is some unique innate ability that Derwin James has, but as he gets more reps and as he's more under the microscope, do you think that we will have more to nitpick or do you think that uh, the assumptions that we have playing out from what we've seen? And again, like the, here's what I love about Derwin James. And here, I think that he separates himself from Minka Fitzpatrick because he's able to be moved all around that defense and have a unique impact on the game from pretty much every position. He can rush the passer on third down. He can be a two-way player who checks his reads and you can count on him to run in for uh, run support or drop back and pass on a play action situation. He's got incredible uh, recognition of those things. Uh, just like phenomenal football player in every sense of the word does a great job of making plays on the ball. I think Mika Fitzpatrick might elevate himself with some of the um, like return abilities and, yeah. and, you know, just being a game breaker and a playmaker. Just, I, you know, when you're looking at these two players against each other, like I, like we're going to be talking about filling out our all American list. Like I kind of feel like the defensive backfield is really easy. Cause you just start with these two. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we have like, if you look at the ratings, the top five is 100 plus, and, and Mink is a 100 rating, and, and Derwin James a 101 rating. So it, you know, it's it's a exercise of splitting hairs. I think between those two, I, I agree. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is is a really he's a fun guy to watch. In, in my opinion, like in a lot of ways, he's he's a bigger version of Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. in the way he's, you know, his ball, ball skills, his ability to uh, to turn defense into offense after he you know he gets a turnover. Um, and, and his versatility, I mean, he's, he is, he's probably, I don't know, like, I guess he's probably a corner in the NFL 
but he's can pull. I mean, he he's played nickel, he's played corner, he's played for, uh, safety now, and I mean that versatility is is pretty phenomenal. Derwin James, similar versatility. Uh, you know, he probably could play corner, frankly, if he wanted to, but that's he's just a he's too physical to keep out there on the um, on the the edge of the defense. You need him in the middle of the field where he can go make plays. So I think when when we because remember, you know, he's hurt last year. Uh, you know, he was a freshman where he flashed, but I think this year because we're going to see a full body of work from from Derwin James, that it's going to be. I think he's going to just it's be it'll be eye opening. I think it'll be. He'll be one of the absolute premier college football names. And I know that sort of goes without saying, but I think when you think about it, like when, when people from the West Coast are familiar with a defensive back in the SEC, like th- that's more of a, a rarity. Like I think he's one of those guys that everyone, despite playing a, 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 the position of safety, which is kind of an understated position at times, like he's going to be a national name. Um, I'm curious at where you felt like the – I mean, that, the quarterback rankings are, are unique, and I mean, in that there's a lot of names. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold in that order, followed by Mason Rudolph. Um, is that kind of where you would slot the quarterbacks as well, um, given what we know heading into this season? No. I'm, I am fading. I, I, I'm fading Baker Mayfield. Uh, yeah, tell this me season. why, because it seems, I mean, I, 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 in some ways, he feels like he's like been overlooked, and uh, I'm curious what your what your hesitation is. I I think that there is uh, there's reasons to be confident because the relationship with Lincoln Riley is established, and now you know only strengthened to the point where uh, I have no I have no worries about him you know being being lost out there, even though he's losing a lot of skill position talent. But while Oklahoma has been able to replace that skill position talent really really well uh over the last couple of years i i just think that there's a step back and especially when we're talking about splitting hairs at the top of college football i'm way more excited about his bedlam rival mason rudolph i think mason rudolph is just gonna have an absolutely huge season and if we're talking about impact on college football just this year like baker mayfield has been so much fun to watch and he certainly is able to create a lot more uh, with his, he can extend the play. He can get outside the pocket. He's been able to make some crazy passes. But man, I just, I really, really like Mason Rudolph over Baker Mayfield. I think that Sam Darnold, a uh, player who we talked about with Dennis Dodd in the last show, he is right up there with Mason Rudolph near the top. I, I'm kind of fading Baker Mayfield from the idea that when Oklahoma stepped to the line of scrimmage, there was so much that you had to worry about. I mean, between, uh, you know, Samaje P. Ryan's a beast, just an yeah. absolute hoss. And you sometimes you would have uh, Joe Mixon back there, and you had D.D. Westbrook, who was just a phenomenal player. And then the year before that, uh, you had uh, Sterling Shepard, who is ridiculous. I mean, there's there have been uh, true, and Mark Andrews is still there, uh, but there's just been so much that a defense has had to worry about uh, that Baker Mayfield's escapability was like third or fourth on the list. And, you know, I'm I'm ready to be proven wrong on this, but I just think that Oklahoma's offense, even with Baker Mayfield, uh, they'll have the the ability to put up numbers, but he just doesn't scare me as a, as a game-breaking, um, like, 
impact the game kind of player like a Sam Darnold or like a Mason Rudolph right now? Well, a counter to that, though, is Oklahoma, if you include Jeff Bedette, who's coming from Kentucky, <clears throat> they're returning nine guys who, start, who started last year on offense, uh, and that includes their whole offensive line. Obviously, the big piece, piece that they're missing is the running back, and I don't think that they can just seamlessly fill that hole with the guys they got on the roster. Samaj Piran and Joe Mixon were, were absolute dudes. But uh, it, it's – I think, I mean, as – elusive as Baker Mayfield is as good as Lincoln Riley is at getting his, his playmakers of football. Uh, I still, I think he's going to be a pretty dangerous guy. And, and, but to your point though, we'll find out. I mean, we, this is, if, if he has another year like he's had, I think he should absolutely be in New York at the Heisman trophy ceremony because this is the year now where it's, it is, he is the guy. He's the guy. He is, it's his yeah, team. Like this is, this has got to be, he's going to have to do some, put him on his back type stuff. And like, he's, he's gritty and he's tough, but man, like how many, you know, how, how many shots are you going to be able to take? Right. I mean, this has been, and I don't mean this from like a, a health standpoint, but just in general, like when you're, when you're putting it all on your back as the I'm going to be the the water bug type player, um, I don't know. I just I, I think that there's there's not enough right now that threatens me about Oklahoma's offense where I can't leave a player as a spy. Yeah. No. I uh, I I think we'll find out. I think I, I think that there's a good enough running backs to where like those guys don't have to be superhuman. And I think you know, like you mentioned, Mark Andrews is going to be a threat. I think Jeff Bidette's a big addition. Marquise Brown's a Juco transfer that can be that, that D.D. Westbrook type. Um, but I'll tell you another team that's, that I think is interesting when you look at this top top 32 and you just sort of look up and, and Georgia's got three of the top yeah. 32. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's you – know, they're so talented and they're so unproven. And Kirby Smart's so unproven as a head coach. But, man, I, I, I like that we have Nick Chubb as high as we do. Trent Thompson – uh, has has had a, a few recent off the field issues, but he is he is that talented to be a top thirty two type of guy. And then Roquan Smith is the other one out there. We got a thirty three. Um, that I think is you a little insight to how good they could be if they. Uh, the key is though, no, in the whole two forty seven, there's no offensive lineman from Georgia on the list. So that offensive line has got to do something to give Jacob Beeson a chance. Because if they do, man, they got a. Ch- <laughs> Like this is a this is a team with legit legit talent. What do you think about uh, the fact that Notre Dame, which has uh, both, I think, isn't Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey? I know Mike McGlinchey's high, but I think Quentin Nelson's on the list. And Equinemius St. Brown, all EQ tuning up the EQ. He's got to be on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's further down around one eleven. What's like this offensive line has NFL talent. What do like? What does that? What is the takeaway for you when we're looking at Notre Dame, a team that uh, has put players in the NFL, um, you know, but not always been able, like, not always been able to have that talent translate into uh, the best seasons? I mean, certainly they had uh, the New Year's Six Bowl uh, from two years ago, but there's there's a, a lot of concern coming off that four and eight season. Um, like, is it weird that Notre Dame gives me like Miami under Al Golden vibes? Because 
the individuals are there that always get me excited, but I'm not totally enthused by the team as a whole. Well, and you could you could argue Quentin Nelson's even better than Mike McGlinchey, and we got him 60th and McGlinchey in the 30s or, or 20s. But uh, and so they they are going to be awesome on the offensive line, um, and they've got good running backs. They've got good receivers led by Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, it's all I mean it, it's all about is Brandon Wimbush as good as he's supposed to be. I mean, this is the guy that supposedly ran out of town. Malik Zaire and and uh, was rumored to be the more talented version of Deshaun Kaiser. Wimbush uh, ain't on this list. He is not on there. And 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 I now part of me thinks that he, you know I, I suspect he he's absolutely a candidate to be on there by the end of the year. Like I would ex- I, in fact uh, if he's not on it by the end of the year, then Notre Dame probably had a pretty disappointing season again. Um, what I'm confident in with Notre Dame, and we'll get into the, the team with, you know, a little more as we talk about our top 25s, but I am confident their defense will be improved. I think Mike Elko is the real deal. Um, but you're, you know, they've got, I actually think talent wise, personnel wise, offensively, this is a team that's like good enough to, to beat anybody in the country. Uh, we just got to figure out what they've got defensively. Cause there is no defensive player sniffing this list for Notre Dame. Um, you know, they've got, I, I, you know, I don't even know who, I guess maybe like, I don't know who you would even put as a candidate to be on this list from Notre Dame's defensive side of the ball. So it's, it's going to have to be on the offense, but the defense I think will be absolutely be improved. All right. I'm going to give you five defensive tackles. You have to pick two Rashawn Gary and Maurice Hurst from Michigan. Okay. okay. V- Vita Vey. Let me, let me, let me stop you already. Okay. Is Rashawn Gary going to be, labeled as a defensive tackle oh because he's playing edge you already told us that he's really like he's more i mean he can play defensive tackle but i think i can i can i can cop out of this one and call him an edge guy and and and, uh, make it a little easier on myself all right are christian wilkins and dexter lawrence the top two uh, and ed oliver so like you've got to pick two even out of those three and you can throw vita vey in there as well i i and i would also chip i'd throw Deron Payne in there. Oh gosh, like, yes, like Deron Payne and like Derek Naughty, right? Yeah, yeah, Naughty's right there. I, to me, Naughty is like that one slight step below. But I think Deron Payne, and I think Deron Payne is to me is absolutely in that mix. He's just, but he was just overshadowed last year. Now that Deron Payne's about to step into the spotlight, that dude is a freak. But to answer you, I mean, so I think that my guys would be. Man, this is this is tough. I think I, God, this is tough. I would go. I would actually go. I think. You, do you have your answer? I mean, I'm like I'm trying to not be an ACC homer and just go Lawrence Wilkins, but I, I mean, it, like Ed Oliver's like one of the best. Like Ed Oliver deserves a spot with Derwin James as one of the best just college football players. Period. Yeah, I I think I would go. Um. If I had to just make a team, I think I would go. I, man, you might. I think I might would go Lawrence Wilkins. And that's and that's crazy because even Ed Oliver. The thing about Ed Oliver is all I think about with Ed Oliver is athleticism, and I know he's got he's got more to him, um, but I I can't envision him. I don't envision him um, just you know bulldogging some offensive guard and 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 stoning him and like. 
powering him back into the quarterback or, or back into the running back. He's probably done that, and I'm just not thinking of it. But I just he's just so athletic that that's I see that, him that's, spinning. He's a spinning swimmer. And a, and a slicing guy, like yeah. he's, just, he's just a penetrating defensive tackle. Um, and there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just the, I think to me, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence have. But I'm I'm really close, honestly, to putting Deron Payne in that group over maybe, uh, I don't know, over maybe uh, Dexter Lawrence, I guess. But though it's it is a like it's as good of a defensive tackle defensive line year as I you know I think we've seen in a while I think these guys it's so exciting so fun to think about these guys on the defensive front Um, the other one that I think is interesting is like we had a little bit of a discussion about who's the best edge guy in this class Uh, I think at one point Arden Key was was number one in our rankings Uh, I actually pushed for Harold Landry to be the to be the number one defensive end I think we ended up that's how we ended up going with but between Landry, Bradley Chubb, Arden Key, um, you know, and and Rashawn Gary, uh, there's a pretty Agbo Okoronkwo. There's a pretty good defensive end presence on this list too, um, and it's remarkable. But I, I I think that the dude from Boston College may be the best of that group. You know what's the uh, most incredible thing about Landry is that the rest of that defense uh, defensive line. Like you know that Adazio is always going to have some dudes out there, and they, I know that Don Brown's not the head coach anymore, but they've they've had a really solid, well coached defense for a while. But Landry gets double teamed and still gets his numbers. Like he still yeah. gets his tackles for loss and his sack numbers, and he doesn't have like Bradley Bradley Chubb has like Kentavious Street on the other side and an NC State defensive line that's pretty solid uh, up and down as well as being deep. I'm I I think that. Arden Key is when I think of Arden Key, uh, I think of the same thing you said with Ed Oliver, where it's like an athleticism thing. Right. I, I think Bradley Chubb's an absolute stud, uh, and Landry gets his numbers. I might go Chubb over Landry though. And by the way, Landry at eleven on the list, Chubb at fourteen, Arden Key down at nineteen. Um, yeah, I I tend to lean Chubb here. I think that but, Ty, I think Taekwon Lewis is a uh, is another one to watch. I think he's going to have a big season. But that's like Chubb's another one where he, I mean he's got a ton of help on that defensive front. They go like seven or eight deep, and and here's what's so remarkable. Like I'm blown away by what BC's done defensively over the last three or four years because their offense has been horrible, <laughs> and that defense is on the field all the time and they always have to run right back out there after a three and out I played on a defense my my last year in college where our offense wasn't very good and our defense was pretty solid and I'm telling you there's nothing more demoralizing than just having a great stop getting on the field and then like like two real-time minutes later you're you're being like punt teams being called up again to get in the box and then get ready to go back on the field like when that happens over and over and over again, that that can that, that can be demoralizing. And that defense has had to do that for like four straight years, and still gets theirs. And that that's what's I think is just I, I love that BC defense because of how I mean I think they'll be better this year offensively at BC. So I, maybe they won't have to uh, you know they'll get a little more rest on the sideline. But that group I think is is so mentally tough, and Harold Landry is is just the dude. Uh, and, and I mean, see, I don't think like 
There's no other Boston College guys on this list, but I bet you Harold Landry is still going to have a monster season. He and Chubb could have been first round picks last year. So like, yeah. I mean, that's like above anything else. There's going to be a couple of plays and a couple of games where their experience is just going to elevate them. It's going to be huge. Like yeah. when, when we were debating, uh, we just talked about edge rushers and uh, defensive line. Do you think that you're in favor of for all America teams creating the edge rush? Because my my uh, my point in our debate of whether to do DTs and defensive ends is that the defensive tackle position. And we just, you know, threw out some of the best in the country as in like some of the best players in the country being interior defensive linemen. Like I felt like this, this year in particular, you're not going to see the interior defensive linemen get overlooked in an all American debate, but we should introduce the edge rusher. Well, you know, I, I think it's, there just gets to be some, like Tim Williams last year for Alabama shouldn't be listed as a linebacker to me. He's not he, in the traditional sense of the word linebacker. That's not what he's doing. He's he's a he's a pass rusher, and he, he and so the teams that have these guys as pass rushers, I mean, I think we have to treat them as <clears throat> edge defenders and then defensive interior guys. So, um, I I think so. Yeah, I think that's the way it should be treated. Um, I mean, you'll see you see the NFL now kind of moving to that in terms of uh, the way they prep for the NFL draft um, and and that kind of thing. Oh, that's I their positions think, on like when they get drafted, it'll be it'll be edge as their right. listed position. Right. So I think college football, like I don't understand, I don't know why that's not more of the standard in college football too. Um, but but yes, like Agbo Okoronkwo is to me not a linebacker; he is an edge defender uh, and. And I think that's the way they should be treated. I'm curious, you know, as I look at this list, there's a couple, like, the guys that I think could move up during the, like, with a good season. One guy that really jumps out at me is Rashawn Evans at Alabama. Mm. I, I think he is the next guy who is sort of, I mean, that, that sort of next man up in the Alabama defense. We've seen flashes of him. We've seen, we've seen that he's, you know, he can make a big play, but he's still, you know, he's getting his third down reps or whatever. I, now that he is a standard uh, foundation piece in that defense, he is going to be, I think, a huge, huge impact guy this year, and I think he's going to blow some people away. Um, I think Jared Stidham could move up as well with a big season, um, and and I'll tell you another kind of group that i really like I, we may have talked about this when we broke down the pac-12 but we've got three we've got two stanford corners in the top 102 elijah holder and quentin meeks and when you throw justin reed in there too at safety i love stanford's defensive backfield and i think they have as good of a pair of corners as you're going to find in the country between quentin meeks and elijah holder but stanford's defense struggled when elijah holder went out last year at, with injury and now he's going to be healthy again that that I think that whole defense is going to be really good, and that's huge in the Pac-12. That is yeah. so important in the Pac-12 when you're going to be going up against Jake Browning, Luke Falk. Um, yeah, that's all right. I, I want to get get back to Rashawn Evans. So that's that's another example of um, like because 
he's from Alabama because he was one of the top 15 players in the country because he was like a, a damn near perfectly rated five star. Like, how do you remain patient when you see this guy only getting his third down reps? Like, is that just where we're at with Alabama? It's yeah, we've, we've learned that, that, that that can still work at Alabama. We have to, we always have to check ourselves to make sure we don't call these guys a bus before they get their actual opportunity at Alabama because it's the truth, man. They, they do have five stars sitting on the bench. And so often, I mean, there's, there's probably guys at Alabama that have gone through their career and, and, and finished their career and been sort of labeled as overrated. But in the reality, like they just had guys that were higher rated than them play their whole career above them. So they, it's just a, it's just this weird place in Alabama where, um, and and for us, I mean, we just wait and see what the good. I mean, for a guy like Rashawn Evans, knowing how good he is, man, that's got to be how hard is it to sit and wait your turn, right? You, <laughs> but they managed to keep these guys happy and keep them on the roster, um, and and maybe that's why they're they're so consistently have their breakout years when they get their opportunity because they've just been chomping at the bit for so long. But yeah, man, like I, Rashawn Evans is going to be a flash football player every time you turn on the football game for Alabama. He, he's going to be one of the most fun defenders to watch. All right, so uh, with that, let's let's go ahead. We had to turn in our CBS Sports 130 uh, ballots, and Barton and I, we were told to do a minimum of 25, an entire list of 130, some crazy people, including our own Jerry Palm, who might be a human computer, what you see on television come Selection Sunday is just a cyborg. But Jerry Palm does all 130. Uh, and a few others do all 130. Barton and I are a little bit more sane. We're just going to do 50 every single week. And so when you turned in your first ballot, was Alabama number one? Alabama sitting number one. Yeah. Is that you, you got them too? Yeah. I'm Alabama, yeah. Ohio State, Florida State for my top three in that order. Okay. I have USC above Florida State. Ooh. So there's 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 my my slight difference. Where where is USC on your list? Four. Yeah, okay. So that's sort of the the standard top four. Um I look, I think Alabama is I, I don't think I think of those four to me, USC may be the most vulnerable because they, they their schedule is is a little bit tough. They, they they don't have a bye week. I think the Pac-12 is is a little bit more tricky as from a week to week standpoint than the other conferences that that those teams uh, around them are playing. So I think USC could be the one most vulnerable of you know if those are like the the, the college football playoffs four, uh, I would be least confident picking USC, um, but. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll fight. I mean, some people have Florida State number two. I mean, in some ways, this could be a one-two matchup um, with uh, at Alabama, Florida State to open the season. So, um, I just don't know how you pick against Alabama. I don't know where you find losses for them because they're so deep, they're so good on offense, and their defense is all, always responds. The only the only weakness I can think of is like there is some coaching turnover. So, is is any of that? I mean, but as long as Nick Saban's there, you, I don't know how you. But like, him. and and where is the margin for error right now? In uh, where is the margin for error in the in the SEC? Because there have been times where you look out there 
and you see uh, like uh, Ole Miss at the peak of its powers, and and you know Dak Prescott leading Mississippi State. Uh, but man, I just you know there are a lot of leaps of faith for Auburn, uh, a team that I actually have at number eleven, and it felt high for me at number eleven. Like the eleven number looked higher. I just didn't have many other options there. But I just don't. I just think that there is still enough separation between Alabama and the rest of the SEC. It's like uh, it's like Alabama's all dressed up, and the rest of the SEC is like running out the door to work, like still putting their belt on. <laughs> yeah, I I mean absolutely, and especially in the West, I think I mean Arkansas is to me Arkansas is down, and to me Texas A and M is down, and Mississippi looks like they're going to be down again. Uh, so all of a sudden, the big powerhouse West, I don't think – look, we're, we've yet to have confidence in Ed Orgeron. Um, we, we've yet to have reason to have confidence in him. Auburn, like you mentioned, I mean, they're, they're for me, they're ninth. But even that, again, I, I, I'm, I'm still having flashbacks of the Jeremy Johnson year where everyone was thinking they, they were a national title contender. Um, I, I, you know, so it is. It's, it's still Alabama and everybody else. Um, my – I think – let's see – I've got conference-wise, I have the Big Ten with three top ten teams. So I have Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm, I'm Wisconsin. Wisconsin at ten. I'm Penn State at six. Yeah, yeah, I have Penn State at five. That's going to be their offense. I think is so good, and their defense. Here's the thing about, that I like about Penn State's defense. I went and when I visited them, I sat down with Brent Pry, and he, I mean, I think he admittedly was figuring things out last year defensively. Like this, he, he was taking over Bob Shoup as a play caller. He tried to do a lot of things early in the season, had this long play call sheet. And I think, and they had a lot of injuries and that forced them to simplify things defensively. And I think that's when the, it clicked for him that he, he just needed to take out all the variables and simplify the defense for these guys and just let them run around. And and I think when they did that, the defense, the second half of the season was great. And so I think they're going to be a defense that knows their identity from day one this year. And I think they're going to be good enough. Um, I think Penn state is a real national title contender. Now I'm not picking them to win it. I don't, I don't know yet whether I'm ready to say they're being the playoffs, but they've like, if they're in a national title game, I, I'm not going to be surprised. So I think Penn State is is the real deal this year, and I I actually don't like I don't feel that bad having them at five. I I, I thought I'd be scared throwing them that high, but I'm I'm really not. Like I'm oh, okay. dude, don't worry about it. I'm talking out both sides of my mouth earlier this show, talking trash on Baker Mayfield, and then I'm out here with Oklahoma at five. Like I got really o- yeah, That's I got Oklahoma at five and Oklahoma State at eight. Because I think that, like, and again, that's that kind of goes back to uh, me thinking that after Wisconsin, I've got Auburn at eleven, and like after Wisconsin, I start to lose confidence. Um, I, so I'm at, I, got, I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are both, uh, you know, compared to, and again, rankings are just you compared to the other teams out there. I've, I favor both of them uh, above, like. Your your Florida, your Georgia. Ooh, I'm down on Michigan. I'm probably too far down on Michigan. I got LS. All right, so outside the top ten, I got Clemson at nine, Washington at eight. Outside of the top ten, I'm going Auburn at eleven, 
LSU at 12, Stanford 13, Florida 14, Georgia 15. Yeah, that's I was I was curious where you had the Georgia LSU Florida group. So so I'm LSU, Florida, Georgia in that order, but only but it's all between ten and fifteen. So I'm I'm lower than I'm Georgia, LSU, Florida, but I'm at seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Ooh. So I I don't really believe in those schools yet. To be, I'll give you so here's here's sort of one of my um this is my wild my I don't know wild card my uh off the radar pick here. I've got above those three, I've got Mississippi State at 15. Sick. Oh, <laughs> yes. Give it to me, Nikki Fitz. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've, been, I've been yelling about them. i got to put my money where my mouth is. I, I Look, I, I think, to me, I just really think that they've got a chance to be a good team. A lot of it depends on how good their JUCOs coming in are and how much they can impact right away. But I have more faith in Mississippi State than I do – Coach O at LSU. Uh, I have more faith in Dan Mullen at, at Mississippi State than I do Coach O at LSU. I, I think Georgia and Florida both just have so much to prove. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I'm I don't know how far. Like, where do you have Mississippi State? 30, how far? How thirty eight. Yeah, exactly. I think that's probably more normal. Like, I think that's probably where most people have them. So, I mean, they're going to be way wrong, or I'm going to be look look really smart. But I I think. Mississippi State's going to be pretty good. Do you have who's your? Do you have a sort of uh, off mainstream play anywhere on your top twenty-five? I kind of I thought that uh, Stanford at thirteen was going to end up being high, but you know when I started to fill out the rest of it, like you know it it didn't take long for me to put Northwestern at seventeen. You know, it didn't take long for me I to like that. Yeah, it didn't take long for me to start you know slipping NC State into the top twenty at nineteen. I got yeah. Washington State at twenty two. Uh, I'm, right, I'm, I'm exactly twenty two for Washington State. Yeah, also. like I was, uh, I was, I was, I just don't. All right, so here's a a, a nice little run. So outside the top twenty five, I've got Texas and Texas A and M. I got them at twenty eight and twenty nine. I have no idea what to make of those teams. Yeah, Texas could be a top ten team. Texas, it's. There's a huge variable with Texas. They could be ten and two, or they could be seven and five. They're they're they are a fascinating football team, and they play a lot a lot of tough games. There, this is that's going to be. So I, I'm with you. I have Texas at thirty, but if Texas finishes eighth, like I won't be I won't be blown away. Like I think that there's, I am I, I am definitively not very high on A and M though. Mm. I've got them down at forty three. And don't wow. am not super concerned about it. I all right. So uh, Christian Kirk was listed at fifty on the top twenty four seven, and that's a player who I think could have if this if the ratings are done again at the end of the season. That's a player who with a with a very productive like, and because of the talent that's there, we know that productivity is possible if the other pieces on that team fall into place. Like Christian Kirk to me is a top 15 type talent, but number 50, I can't argue with where we're at right now. And like Christian Kirk's not going to make or break Texas A&M's team success, but he is indicative of what I feel about a lot of Texas A&M, which is top 15, top 10 potential and like top 50 production. Well, they, 
and it's I mean Christian Kirk is is at the mercy of his quarterback to a certain degree too. And I think Nick Starkle is a good football player, but I do not think he is I think he is one of the worst quarterbacks in the SEC. Oh. Uh, and that's I don't and I I don't mean that to be a knock on him as yeah, much as yeah, I mean yeah. that to be a that's where the pecking order is. That's where he is in the in the grand scheme of things in that conference. And so um, I think I mean that game one. Who who are you going to pick in UCLA Texas A and M? Is that UCLA right? Texas A and M. So that's a Josh Rosen versus Nick Starkle matchup, and you're going to pick Starkle. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna, I, I don't know that I I have I have UCLA at 42 and A and M at 43. Etheridge Massington doesn't Etheridge Etheridge Massington Esquire does not <laughs> inspire much confidence. I think Dalen Max is going to eat Josh Rosen in the second quarter. It's gonna be over. Travion, yeah. Travion Williams has a good game. Like I, like all we need to do is throw bubble screens to Christian Kirk and hand the ball off to Williams, and Texas A&M can get out of that with an ugly twenty-eight or thirty-one to twenty-three victory. Man, if UCLA doesn't win that game, then that's gonna be a long year for Jim Mora. I, I, um, I don't have yeah. UCLA in my top fifty. Well, I mean, they're forty-two for me. They're, 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 I mean, there's a forty through fifty. <laughs> that first loss is going to send all those teams sending, you know, heading down the other wrong <laughs> way of the river. So uh, I'm with you. I don't think that they're a, a great team by any stretch, but I think that they're. I mean, that's going to tell us a lot about those two teams. Um, I don't know. My so I, I'm with you on Northwestern. I, I have them twentieth. So you actually have them even higher, which I like. I, I, I'm. I could see them finishing. You sold higher. me on Clayton Thorson. I spent yeah. all these years trashing Clayton Thorson, <laughs> and I'm not going to follow you all the way up the mountain to where he is potential first-round talent. Well, you said first-round talent. Can't argue with talent, but I don't think he's a potential first-round pick. But when you sold me on Clayton Thorson as not being a hindrance to this team's success, I like what they have elsewhere. I, I, like, I like Northwestern as a top-20 team for sure. Agree. They're. I think they're going to be good. They're going to be the. Uh, they're going to be one of those teams that's, um, you know, six and zero or something, and and all of a sudden is top twelve in the country, and everyone's like, where'd they come from? Uh, and we'll see if they can hang on to it. And then I, I had I had Stanford's eleventh, uh, so I had them a little higher than you. I really think that they've got like they've got college football playoff potential to me if Keller Chris can just do something. Um, and then I, I ended up with Michigan lower than I thought I would. I Me had them too. 13. Where, where did you end up with Michigan? 16. Yeah, I had them 13. And, and in some ways, I thought I would have them top eight or nine, but I just I ended up sort of easing them back. Uh, Miami is 14th for me. Is that high for you? Where do you have Miami? 18. <clears throat> yeah, I think Miami, when you look at their schedule, the way it sets up, there's just a couple games in there that they, that they got to win. Right, and if they if they take care of business in those big games, they've they've got a they got a pretty clean shot to a ten and two season. So that that team is is fascinating to me. I snuck Notre Dame in at twenty fourth. Um, I snuck Utah in right above them at twenty three, and then Kansas State's in there at twenty one too. But I, right outside my top twenty five, I, I another group you mentioned that Texas Tennessee section. I've got Tennessee at 27, Vatek at 26, and South Carolina at 28. That is, uh, those are three teams that I'm very intrigued by. That's, Just, uh, that's high for South Carolina, right? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I be, I'm a believer in South Carolina. I think if their offensive line is 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 better, <clears throat> and I'm I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm trying to figure out too what what I'm missing because I think that they've they've got a better offensive line than people give them credit for. They've got uh, two really good receivers and Brian Edwards and, and Debo Samuel. He's, they've got a good quarterback and Jake Bentley. Young running backs who are improving. Rico Dowdle is the is the leader there, and then they've got a defense that is. I, I have to trust Will Muschamp on. I, I just think they'll be pretty good defensively. So what what am I missing here? I think that they're. I again, we talked about them in in our over under uh, picks when they're like their totals like five or five and a half, which blew me away. This is this is a team that. I don't think there's anybody in the SEC East that they that they can't beat. Well, you, um, all right, you know what I think you're is missing there. Um, like, and this is outside of Sky Moore, who is proven, and I would say from another uh, from another generation. Like, I guess, like he was he to me. South Carolina's defense uh, fell back in the late Spurrier in the last couple Spurrier years, and while yeah. Will Muschamp is a very good coach. I think that that is where I point the finger at uh, where South Carolina has fallen off from, you know, being near the top of the SEC East. And Sky Moore was kind of to me near the end of the the peak years. And Will Muschamp, very very good defensive coach, but like, you know, this isn't Auburn, this isn't Florida, this isn't Texas. Like this, it's going to take a. I think it's going to take. Uh, a few more cycles and maybe it's this year that a big step forward is coming but i think the the overall talent of the personnel on the defensive side of the ball uh is just a little bit uh further down the line than what we're used to seeing will muschamp and his staff work with yeah defensive front is probably an area of concern there uh they i mean they've got experience in the secondary but i don't know that i necessarily am a huge believer in jamarcus king or, or chris lamont's uh but they love this freshman, Jalen Dickerson. I just, I mean, I think Bryson Allen Williams is really good. I think Sky Moore is really good, and and then I think they got to have some guys up front. So it, it'll we'll see. But I, they're an interesting team to me, and I am I'm I'm not super worried about where I have them as far as 28. I, I think that could be end up being high, but I could see them being a top 25 team by the end of the season. So that that's a, I think that's an interesting team to watch. Who do you have any group of five teams in your in your top fifty? You're reading my mind through the uh, through the line. I was going to say, where do your group of five teams fall? Yes, uh, I've got my top group of five team is South Florida at 21. Charlie yep. Strong, Quentin Flowers. Um, my I got Boise State at 25. Whoa, that's high for Boise State, is it not? It's very high for Boise State. What where's where is your Boise State love coming from? I gotta I gotta dig into Boise State. Are I, they gonna be good? I think so. I just I'm I've got them in uh, a little bit of a resurgent season. I think that last year had some some bad losses, some real bad losses. We still got Brett Ripien over there. Still got Brian Harson. Most of the coaching staffs intact. I I think I think the Mountain West is like Mountain West has some very good football. Mountain West also to me is like one of the most fluid conferences in terms of how quickly teams can rise up and fall down. Like, yeah. Bo- like Boise state 25 is probably a little high because you know, I don't, I think that Boise state would lose to, I guess some of these teams that have ranked below them. But, uh, 
I I don't know. Got got good vibes right now for Boise State. I think okay. I think that they're going to end up winning the Mountain West this year. Yeah, I could. I mean, yeah. Uh, I think Colorado State's got a chance to be pretty good. Wyoming, they got to handle Josh Allen. Um, San Diego State, New Mexico's tough. I mean, it's, it's that's I, I kind of like that conference. Uh, but I hey, I look, I can see it. Um, I had Boise State. I think out. I mean, I had them in like the 60s or something when I was sort of extending my list out. But uh, but I could, I may be off there. Like I don't. That's a team that is you. It always seems like, uh, you know, that a win away from eleven and one or whatever. I mean, yeah, they're yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're always right there at the cusp. So I, I yeah, I could see it for sure. So you got those or those your two or you have more? I mean, they were a ten win team last year. Yeah, exactly. That's I mean, you do look up and they won ten games. Yeah, they they won twelve games in two thousand fourteen, nine in two thousand fifteen, ten last year. Yeah. Like not much turnover on the coaching staff. Uh I got BYU at thirty one. Yep, thirty two for me there. Um Army at thirty seven. Whoa. I think I Ar- like it. Yeah, I think I, mean, I don't know if I like it, but I, I like the <laughs> I like the pick. I like you're get, going there. That so our you're a believer in the cadets, huh? Mm-hmm. I think that uh even though uh they're losing what's his name? Uh, the running back turned quarterback who was awesome and helped them win the Navy game last year. Yeah. Uh, they've their turnover at quarterback, but I just think that the overall work that that staff has done to turn Army around from just being an also ran like borderline FBS team. Uh, I remember I looked up when the win totals were first released, and it was at like seven, and I was like, we really have reached a point. Where Las Vegas believes that Army's going to be out here and win seven or eight games, like things that a new page has turned for Army football. So I, I felt like I was, I had to at least reflect my positivity there and throw them somewhere between uh, thirty-five and fifty. I know that thirty-seven might be a little high, but um, you know we'll we'll let their season play out and see where they get moving. I'm a little bit too. I know this isn't. I got Wyoming at forty-two. App State at forty three, Memphis at forty nine. Yeah, yeah, you were you you went a little heavier on the power five or the group of fives than I did. I I, I like that, but I I couldn't I couldn't pull the trigger on enough guys. I I went uh, USF at twenty five, BYU at thirty two. I know they're not group of five, but they're um, they can count here. And then I went. They don't cash power five checks. They ain't power five. All right, so then I and then I went Memphis at forty four, and that's it. I had Houston. I had Houston at forty eight. The Riley uh, Ferguson experience. Oh yeah, what do we think about Houston? I think they could still be pretty good. I mean, uh, Kyle Allen's their quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, he's he is. I, I, that should. I mean, it'll be their offense will look different without Greg Ward, and and they'll be more of a pass heavy offense. But that defense, I mean, they still got Ed Oliver. They still, I mean, I look. We'll see what Major Applewhite's made of. Yeah. But uh, I, I still think that they've got the pieces to be pretty good. And, and I think in some ways, they now that they don't have the Tom Herman inevitable departure looming over their head, I, I think they may be able to play a little bit looser this year and, and um, you know, maybe avoid some of those upsets that they, they that stung them last year. But uh, they've, I think that they're, I think they're pretty good. Um, and I think Memphis, 
Riley Ferguson, is, baby. Is gonna be, yeah, I mean, they got Riley Ferguson. They return a bunch of guys. Anthony Miller, who was in our top 247 for the uh, college football side, uh, is one of the best receivers in the country. They're, I mean, Mike Norvell has a chance to be the one of the premier names in this coaching cycle this year if they can if they can put together a pretty good run here i mean uh they got ucla at home that's a huge opportunity for them and the aac is always tough so i mean every week there's a there's a there's a game that they got to worry about but um i think that that pass offense led by anthony miller and riley ferguson is going to be uh is going to be really good all right you've got the award-winning Closing segment, question of the day question. Barton, what do you have today? Okay, we've been a little heavy on Ole Miss, in the, uh, but it's, I think this is an interesting question given all we know now, all we're learning. If you, right now, today, you're an Ole Miss fan, you could go back and reverse course and never have hired Hugh Freeze, or you can – Except having hired him, take all the success you had—the recruiting fun, the the New York New Year's Six bowl games, the Bama wins—take all of it, but also take what's about to come. Do you go back and reverse course, or do you do you do you, do you hang on to Hugh Freeze and and uh, enjoy the fun you had? I take it, and here's why: because the selling to your fans and selling to your boosters that it can happen like giving them that taste of being one of the top teams in the country the alabama wins i mean dude the alabama wins alone like the nectar the the like (laughs) the sweet the the nerve receptors firing the dopamine in your brain, like the the happiness, the joy, the elation, like Ole Miss football. This was a historic little peak of success. Short, short-lived, and now mired with scandal forever, no doubt. But like in terms of uh, what you got, and then also that the fact that you tasted it means you're going to fiend to get back there. And I, I think that over time – the fact that it happened will end up being something that Ole Miss fans will be able to – they'll be able to look back on those Alabama wins and those those two seasons in particular, and, uh, and, and that can motivate them to hope and dream for a brighter future for Ole Miss football. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm torn on this um, because not only did they have all the fun on the, on the field, but if you're a, a diehard fan and you follow recruiting – it's it's fun to be able to battle with the blue bloods in college football and win, and that's what Ole Miss was doing on the recruiting trail, and that's fun, and that was a, an experience I think for Ole Miss. And I mean, when you're sort of the the little brother and you have a a growth spurt, and all of a sudden you're beating up on the uh, on your big brother, uh, man, that's a great feeling. But I am I am very concerned that Ole Miss is about to go into like a dark age with with what's about to happen with the NCAA with all the I mean they they have they're going to lose two recruiting classes, um, and and yet had they not hired Hugh Freeze, I don't know I think a good exercise would be to go back and think about like what other coaches would have been realistic hires at that time, 
and and who else they may have have made a play for and how that might have turned out because it's hard to win in the SEC West and I think the the most likely scenario is that whoever they would have hired instead of Hugh Freeze would have kept Ole Miss near the the bottom half of the SEC West uh so Ah, I go back and forth. I, I, I've walked into this conversation ready to say that I would have I, that I would have gone like I wish the Hugh Freeze era hadn't happened if I'm an Ole Miss fan. And I, I think I'm going to stick with that because look, he I, for every now Ole Miss as a program has this like cheaters label. Oh hell yeah, it does. There, there's the idea that you said like oh now they got the taste sweet taste the sweet nectar of success. It can happen. Well, now there's this like doubt that okay, can it happen if we're not cheating? And now there's this there's this moral sh- shadow on the program as well. I just think there's a lot of negative connotation with Ole Miss football. All of a sudden, I think you would I, I think you would rather go and and try to try to win it with whoever the other guy would have been that would have been the hot name, and 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 hope that you were slightly better off i don't think there's any chance they would have been what q freeze built but i think you you come out clean and 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 maybe you're searching for another coach now after too many six and six seasons but it's uh i think i think old miss is is going to take a while to get back to anywhere close to the level they were at so i'm gonna go with the other side of that um but man it's uh I'll grant you it. It was a fun ride. (laughs) I mean, all right. So like a a little case study that hits pretty close to home. Um, I remember Carolina fans getting super hyped when Marvin Austin pulled a Carolina hat out over Florida State from like a steel briefcase. And Marvin Austin, because he was tweeting Rick Ross lyrics when he was out at the club, started... A whole bunch of NCAA yeah. issues. <laughs> but if you don't get the Marvin Austins and the Bruce Carters um, and like, you know, if you don't get these top-notch players and if you don't start making some noise nationally, then the the fans don't invest in buying, you know, new facilities and the blue zone and then all of a sudden – like it, it is a it is a machine that is ready to get rolling. You're you're in the Georgia Dome playing against LSU, playing them down to the wire. Like I think I you know I I just I kind of think that if you can if you can tri- if if you can tell your fans and and that's really what I think a lot of this is for me. If you can tell your fans your boosters and the people that are going to ultimately power your power the power your program other the outside of the players on the field, the ones that are going to be able to like keep things humming financially and otherwise, if you can at least let them taste it, I think it's worth it. Okay. As, as we've been talking, I just pulled up like an old coaching search list of like names that they should, the Ole Miss should consider to replace Houston nut. Okay. Let's run through this list. Uh, Brent Venables. Ooh, that when he was at Oklahoma, he, he was OU at the time. Uh, now I don't, you know, he may, he may have evolved as a coach since then, but obviously, right now, I think Brent Venables would be universally praised as a as a hire anywhere. Uh, so 
Whether that was a little bit young for him at the time, I don't know, but that's certainly an intriguing name. Jim McElwain, he was at the time the Alabama OC. I think he has proven to be a solid coach, if not spectacular. Kirby Smart, Alabama DC, uh, I think still still unknown. Uh, <laughs> TBD. John uh, Shoup, North Carolina offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Probably not a name that might have uh, uh, found swimming success in Ole Miss. Gus Malzahn, he was at the time the Auburn OC. I think he probably would have been a pretty good hire. Yeah, I think I he agree. probably would have had success. Uh, I think... Justin Fuente is on this list, TCU Kosi. In my opinion, he's he's proven to be a great coach. And it was a great hire at Memphis and has been a great hire at Virginia Tech. Todd Monken at the time, the Oklahoma State OC, quarterbacks coach. Mike London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Who's at Howard uh, now, right? Do, he is he's at Howard now. He yeah. is now the coach of Howard. He's so always much. gonna be in the, the at uh that like, you know, Richmond to UVA. Uh then he wasn't he an assistant at Maryland? Yes, he was one of one of like the three head coaches on Maryland's staff. Yeah, uh, he's he he's gonna be in the mid Atlantic forever. I agree. And then the last name on this list, which is just like a random list I pulled up, was Jeff Castile. Uh it's funny, Hugh Freeze isn't even on it. Um, but I, I'm sure this is like an early list. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess as I look at that list, I think of the Brent Venables and Justin Fuente and Gus Malzahn. And I think that there is a there was opportunity to make another quality hire that uh, perhaps could have could have given Ole Miss a better footing in the long term as opposed to just being buried for like the next five years right <laughs> as opposed to a couple like a couple good sweeps up near the sun for icarus and then just like crashing into the ocean oh that's 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 a great that's, that's a great little illusion right there uh he is barton simmons follow him for all things greek mythology and college football at barton simmons on twitter i am chip underscore patterson uh, great question of the day a lot of fun conversation that is why it's the award-winning closing segment barton thank you very much see you